0: Hey, welcome to B.Y.P. Responds video. A, a thought just dawned on me that took me back. I study a lot of mythology. I study a lot of history, philosophy, religion, chess, science, etc. Because I like to see other points of view. The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints... In mythology is in the role of the dragon. And this took me back. I will wait. What is the role of the dragon? In the knight in the shining armor, fighting the dragon. Where does the knight have to go? in order to fight the dragon to the mountain. And what is the dragon doing in the mountain? He's hoarding gold. He's not using it. He's hoarding it. He's guarding it. And he threatens the entire world because he's guarding the gold. He's not using it properly. The function of the knight is to get rid of the dragon. The church has become the dragon by their own admission once the information got out that it's hoarding hundreds of billions of dollars and not using it. They've admitted, well, we're saving it for a rainy day. That's the dragon attitude. It's ours. We're saving it. You don't get to tell us what to do with the money. We're saving it. That just positively blew me away. I wanted to just share that thought. I was reading in Joseph Campbell's interview, An Open Life with Michael Toms, one of my favorite Campbell books, on page 75. When we talk about maturity and adulthood, I think of what Jesus said, you must become as a little child to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Let's juxtapose that with adulthood and maturity. How do these two come together? I think what he's talking about is spontaneity, but the answer to your question comes from Nietzsche in the introduction to Zarathustra. It's curious to speak of Nietzsche in the same breath as Jesus, because typically he's thought to be the Antichrist. Nietzsche is. He even thought so himself a little bit. But these are two great teachers, and great teachers frequently say similar things in different languages. This is so insightful. Nietzsche says there are three stages to the spirit. The first is that of the camel. The camel gets down on his knees and says, put a load on me. Load me up, baby. This is the condition of youth and learning. When the camel is well loaded, he gets to his feet and runs out into the desert. This is the place where he's going to be alone to find himself. And he is transformed into the lion. And the function and the deed of the lion is to kill a dragon. And that dragon's name is Thou Shalt. On every scale of the dragon, a law is written, some dating from 2000 B.C., others from yesterday's paper. When the camel is well loaded, the lion is potent and the dragon is killed. Now, this is mythological. This is symbolic. You see, these are there are two quite different things. One is submission, obedience, learning. The other is strong and assertive. And when the dragon is killed, the lion is transformed into a child. When the dragon is killed, the lion is transformed into a child. The dragon doesn't turn the lion into a child. Meek, willing, obedient, submissive. That's not how it works you see what's happening here they're reversing the psychology the mythology of the public the church is in nietzsche's word a wheel rolling out of its own center That's what the child represents in this mythical language. The human being has recovered that spontaneity and innocence and thoughtlessness of rules, which is so marvelous in childhood. The little one who comes up and says absolutely embarrassing things to the stranger who's visiting your house. That's the child, not the obedient child, but the innocent child who is spontaneous and has the courage to live its impulses. So, The question becomes, how might we as individuals get in touch with that child that lives within us by killing the dragon thou shalt? By choosing not to live by other people's rules? Right. Respecting them. Respecting them, but not living by them. Respecting them more or less in the way you respect the red and green lights on the highway. There are other rules which seem advisable if in your own intelligence you see that such a rule represents human decency, for example. But a rule put on you as a rule, thou shalt not. That's a whole nother show. I think one can learn to take courage. It also involves taking responsibility for what you're doing, taking the rap, if you have made a radical mistake and hurt people. You have to take the rap. It can be done. None of us seek to hurt anyone. We're seeking to blossom on our own accord from our inner core so that we can grow to be mature, independent adults. And when the church leaders are constantly calling us children and boys and girls, they infantile us. They want us to remain subservient. Obedience is a grand rule as long as it's obedience to them and their rules. Otherwise, they have a psychological manipulative way of, you know, you're an apostate or Satan's influencing you. Now you're becoming evil, etc. because you're not doing things my way. Oh, you can't You can't believe that. That's not our belief. And so you need to remain in the boat. You need to stay on the covenant path. The dragon is hoarding the gold in a quite literal fashion these days. This is the value of mythology into real life because we can psychologically allow ourselves to grow even if someone else is saying, oh, you're making a drastic mistake. You're going to lose so much. There's always loss in life with every decision you make, no matter what you do. That's part of the process. But what you lose is not, Greater than what you gain. Now, the group will try like crazy to influence you psychologically, spiritually, however it may, into believing that yes, you do have way more to lose than gain by remaining with the group. But that's their thought process. Our need, psychologically, spiritually, philosophically, is to find our own inner core truth from the center of the wheel, like Nietzsche said, and flow from that, not from someone else's stamped on view about who we really are and what we ought to to be doing in order to please our Heavenly Father and our Heavenly Mother. You see the difference. I do. This is one of the reasons why the value of mythological study, scripture study, really comes out in our lives to guide us and help us recognize that the power within comes from the wellsprings of the kingdom of God that is within us, according to Luke. I believe it's 1921. Don't quote me. Let me look it up real quick. Matthew, Mark, Luke. I believe it's 1921. If it's not, it is in Luke somewhere, but it's also in the Gospel of Thomas. Luke 1921. Let me see if I can find it real quick. Nope, it's not Luke 1921. 2119 anyway, I'll find it. That's irrelevant anyway. It's in there. Look it up in the concordance. The idea that I wanted to share with you is the dragon is real, even though it's mythological. The kingdom of God within is also real, even though it's mythological. When we learn how to read the stories and apply them, which is the power of Jesus' parables, no less. Not that there has to literally be a good Samaritan in order for it to have truth. But the truth is in those stories because the stories come from us inward out into the world for the benefit of humankind. And that's the power of the stories.